nervous. About what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You're an expert on everything we we'll talk about. You know why? Why? Because we're about to talk about you. Oh, okay, good. So there's nothing. <laughs> I can't stump you. No. It's all covered. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Elizabeth, before we get started, um, you got to teach me. How do you pronounce your last name? Anastasopoulos. All right, so when you were a teacher... <laughs> Did they call you Miss A? They did. I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I had some students. That's not they, all they called you. <laughs> well, when they got, well, when they got, um, they knew where they were in trouble, they would pronounce my last name and pronounce it very well. I bet. Articulate. <laughs> they probably rehearsed it. All right. So um, before we get going, have you ever done any kind of a um, live interview before? TV, radio, podcast, anything? Nothing. Not, not yet. No. <laughs> Today's the maiden voyage. Today is the day. Yeah. Look at You're you. You're going to learn today. <laughs> I love it. All right. So um, here's we we have rules. We have rule. Here's the rule: is um, first of all, everything we um, everything we record. Uh, there's no edits. There's no <laughs> there's no photoshopping of anything. It's all raw and real. And um, and the only thing we ask of you is to be completely honest and authentic and real in every way. Okay, I can do that. You got it? Yeah. All right, good. All right, Teach a Rockstar podcast. We are live. All right, here we go. So we have dates coming up. We have Teach the Rockstar and Be the One Back to School dates happening. I go out on the road next week. I am going to be in North Forney. I'm going to be up in Ohio. And then it gets crazy after that. New Mexico, all through Texas. We have, um, I don't even know at this point. So we have, I don't know, 14, 15 gigs lined up, but we still have dates available. If you are interested in some back-to-school professional development for your educators, be the one events for your school campus culture, send us an email, give us a call, and we will make it happen. All right. Today, this is a unique thing. This is a really, really unique one. All right. So we have Elizabeth. Elizabeth, go and... And do your last name? Anastasopoulos. That one. She. This is. Uh, this is. A, this is such a unique uh, experience. And here's the deal, man. So I've been asking my um, my teachers online, Facebook, social media, sending emails, if they could um, improve. And you know, I do professional development, and I said, if you could do anything, if you could focus on one thing in your personal life, and not necessarily professional development, but personal development, what is the one thing that you would love to change one thing you would like to improve. And you know what they talked about? Um, a few talked about life balance. There are some financial stuff, but the number one, by far, the number one thing they talked about was getting in shape, getting healthy, feeling better, sleeping better, all that stuff. So when I found out that you were coming to town, I thought, Oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> so, um, so I, so I, so I had to get you on here and, um, and share some of your expertise. So, so before we get started, let's tell everybody, um, tell us about it because before you got into this whole shenanigan thing of, of fitness and health and nutrition and body transformation, you were a teacher. I was. Tell me about it. Um, I taught at Indian River High School in Chesapeake, Virginia. And you, so you, you, secondary. It was secondary. How many years? Um, I only lasted two years, so I have to give a lot of credit to the teachers. I left the year before um, Virginia implemented the SOLs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to teach to a test. It took away the creativity from my classroom. Yeah. And the year before I left, they were starting to implement that. Mm-hmm. 
and trying to teach a bunch of ninth graders Romeo and Juliet in a week, right? And then move along. It's you know, I mean, there you go, kids. It's not, it's, it's not impossible, <laughs> right. but it's not practical. Yeah, and you know, and there's, there's so much downside to that. You know, some kids it takes a while to process that information more than a week, but then other kids who are into it and down with it and they love it. Yeah, I'm sorry you love it, but we're moving on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and the, and the kids want to go deeper and they want to find out more. Ah, eh, no, not so much. We're moving on. Yeah. Exactly. So it was just um, disheartening, unfortunately, yeah. for me. Um, so I went from there and I started actually teaching more on the college level. And um, working with people at um, ECPI, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that. And I stopped when I got pregnant with the twins. What does what does ECPI stand for? Oh my gosh, East Coast Polytechnic Institute. I got it. So they still had their basic education they had to do. Uh huh. And then, and you were teaching uh, English and literature and writing and all that stuff. Over yes. There. Okay. Cool. So when when you were a kid growing up, was it one of those things that you always thought that you wanted to be a teacher? It was actually. My father was. Your was, father was a teacher. He was a college professor. All right. And, and what was his area? What was his content? What was his? Computer science. Okay. All right. So we got, we got a little nerd alert in the, in the household. Yeah. My dad uh, was the nerd. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> so technologically not advanced. All right. So, so, but you don't, you don't need to because your kids have that covered for you. They can do all the technology for you. Yes. All right. And so you, and so you growing up, your dad was a professor and, um, and you, you kind of always had this idea of teaching in your mind. Mm-hmm. You went to school. And you did student teaching. I did. All right. So when you're student teaching and you step into the classroom for like the first time, were you thinking, oh my gosh, this is so not what I wanted to do? Or at at that time, you're thinking, you know, I could do this. No, I was thinking I could do this. I love teaching. I really do. I just do it on a different um, platform now. No, you're not kidding. And then when when you're a first year teacher, because this is the big challenge. That was frightening, especially (laughs) I I didn't... And yeah. I didn't have a room, right. right? So I had a cart. Your floater. I was a floater. Yeah, uh-huh. I've done that. Yeah, it's fun. But you know, you know, well, my kids decorated my cart. They put like a bicycle horn on it, and then they had rearview mirrors. They put on the side, and yeah. I had one of those orange flags sticking them in the air. They loved it, man. Oh my goodness! But that's it's so. I think people really underestimate how hard it is to do that because it's really hard to create a family and a culture in your classroom when it's not even your classroom. Right. That's Absolutely. not your bulletin board. These these aren't your debt. You know, it's not your it's not your house. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and then for a first year, here's the thing though, you know, they do that to a first year teacher because you're a first year teacher, but that it's so hard for a first year teacher at that point. Like it's already hard enough. Right. And they make it even harder. And it was a tough school too. Yeah. But you know, if I had a solid student in the hallway and they made me mad, I'd just run them from my car. No, I'm kidding. I never did that. <laughs> never did that. <laughs> Hardly ever did that. And so, um, and, and when you say rough school, was it was it lower socioeconomic, some uh, poverty challenge the kids were having? And, yeah, it was lower socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. And um, and as a first year teacher, what, looking back on it, what was your biggest challenge? Like when you would go home at night and think, "Oh my gosh, this is so hard." What was it? Well, I was an English teacher. Mm-hmm. And grading the papers, that was what was really hard, believe hours. it or not. It was a and lot hours. of work. And I had a two-year-old, da- two-year-old daughter at the time, too. Yeah. So the time that it took away. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to be a teacher, that it is work. And that whole thing of, oh, you get your summers off, mm-mm, it's doesn't make up for the no. work that you do during the school year. And how much not only do you, you put in with the hours, but emotionally, yeah. how much you put in. Right. So I think, I think for me, that's what it was. You know, um, you know, I was talking to a principal on the phone yesterday and she was telling me they had their leadership camp like the few days after school ended. 
and it was so hard to focus because they even had, they haven't haven't had a time to emotionally process the school year. Like that's the exhaustion. Like physically, exa- it's exhausting. You're standing mm-hmm. up and walking around, and doing, but it's the emotional exhaustion from hearing those kids' stories, yeah. knowing their home life, what they where, where they're coming from, the challenges of dealing with all these different personalities. Thirty seven kids in a class. Yeah, it's so hard. It really is. And, and you it, want to help them all, but you can't help all of them. Unfortunately. And then at this time, how old were you? I was 20, oh gosh, I just had 26, 27, I was 28. To handle all that as a 28-year-old, that's really hard. <laughs> well, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, but, I, you know, I was, I was in the classroom at 21, but looking back, I'm not sure I was emotionally equipped to really teach until, first of all, after I had kids. That helped a lot. And then I was probably in my mid thirties before I really felt like I, I was, a, I was an adult <laughs> and, and like, I can handle this and I can do this. And I I'm like, I have a right to do this, but maybe I was a little bit more immature than most. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after, and then, so at the end of your, what was it? Was it during your second year? You started thinking maybe the way this set up isn't for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Halfway through the school year. I was like, this isn't what I want, I, where I see myself doing for the rest of my life. Mostly, it was my my daughter. I was mm-hmm. missing so much, right? Because it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I was missing a lot of that. Um, but again, we had a little bit of a tough school, and my the final deciding factor is I had a fight in my classroom, and I had to jump on one student to pull off from the other student that he was pummeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't. Uh, I'm I'm not a wrestling match referee, and I don't want to do this ever again. Yeah. So that's why I left. Major reason. Yeah. It, it changes things for sure. Yeah. Especially when I'm this little teeny you know, five foot four Asian lady mm-hmm. and I'm pulling off this guy who's six foot three off of my student. It's yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then did you know immediately what you wanted to do after teaching? Or is it something that. Mm-mm. Nope. I just went back into teaching. Yep. Just at ECPI. Right. Different uh, group. And, and uh, how long were you there? Um, I want to say two and a half, three years mm-hmm. before I got pregnant with the twins. And at that time I stopped. All right. So at this point you're, um, you've been teaching five years ish total and, um, you have a kid at home who's at this point, like five or six, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get pregnant with twins and, and, um, you leave teaching. And at what point did you really start thinking about getting committed to fitness and nutrition and health as a profession? That's a really good question. You know, I think it was after um, the twins were born. I started prior to that. Oh my gosh, all my times, my timelines completely muddled. Well, I've been reading. That's oxygen. what kids do to you. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They completely destroy your brain. But Erin Stern, and I don't remember when she became really big, mm-hmm. but I started following her through the magazines, through Oxygen Magazine, and mm-hmm. just loved Erin Stern. And I'm like, I want to be like her, and I want to do that. And um, I just started working out more and reading and working out from the Oxygen magazines, really kind of enjoyed it and said, boy, I probably could do this for a living. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it started like that. And then, and so um, let me ask you this, and this is kind of personal. Is that cool? Yeah. It depends on how All right, personal. Because, <laughs> well, it's pretty personal. Okay. It's like the ultimate personal is, um, you know, I, just from 
you know, being a husband and, and just living life and say, I noticed that, um, a lot of women, especially when they're having babies gain weight. And mm-hmm. I noticed, I don't know many people with twins, but I know probably a half a dozen and all of them hundred percent gained a lot of weight trying to nourish two human beings inside your body that you're trying to grow. Was that your situation too? It was not because actually it was my first child that I gained the most weight with. Mm. So Edithidia was born in 1997, mm-hmm. and a year after that, I was still hovering about 175, 185 pounds. All right. Now, that doesn't make sense for people because I can't see it. Typically, 99% listen to this, but don't watch. So, but you're five foot four, um, and you have a really, really small frame. So 180 pounds on you is... I was big. It's significant. And it wasn't until... And, he meant it as a joke, so this is not to throw my husband under the bus, but we teach people um, at IEM also that we get to a point where we're comfortable and we just don't realize where we're at. But then one day my husband says to me, hey, I'm going to buy you a beeper. I'm like, what are you going to buy me a beeper for? He's like, so you can warn people when you back up. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's awareness. You can't change what you're not aware of. Yeah. So I had no idea how to let myself go like that. And that's when I started working out. But at that point I was just working out to not be a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Come down to more like a moped. Right, right, right. exactly. Um, right. So I didn't want to start teaching and be this yeah. bus. <laughs> right. And so you started working out. Um, how long did you carry around the weight? How many years before you really got committed? Um, actually I lost it rather quickly, but mm-hmm. I followed a poor diet plan. So I kind of yo-yoed. So I've, <laughs> yeah. yo-yos. so I lost the weight. Mm-hmm. Then I started eating carbohydrates again and I'd get a little bit fat and then I'd yep. do it again. I'd, I would just yo-yo. All right. So this is a, this is a term that I don't think people, I, I think they've heard the term of yo-yo, the up and down, but I don't think they understand the damage and in, in the, in the science behind it. Mm-hmm. So is there a way that is there a way that you found that you explain it to people where they get it? Because when they lose the weight on those crazy crash diets and they lose the muscle and when they gain the weight back to actually putting fat back on, fat back on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So essentially, if you do any type of extreme dieting, what you're losing most of is going to be muscle. What science has found is usually if you're losing, let's say, 10 pounds and you're mm-hmm. losing it like that, you're going to lose about four pounds of muscle from that. And our metabolism is partly driven by the muscle mass that you have because it takes a lot of energy to keep that stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. So if you keep losing muscle as you go, your metabolism continues to slow. But then once you eat carbohydrate, what people don't realize, you start eating carbohydrates, your body's like, oh, well, you know what? You starved me. <laughs> for. Right. So I'm going to take those puppies. I'm going to store them as fat. So each subsequent round of yo-yo dieting, you're actually getting fatter and fatter and fatter. You become what we call a skinny fat person. All right. So even though you're back at, we'll just use 180. So um, let's say um, you, you were at 180 at 50% fat. You diet down, you're back to 180. You might be at 55% fat. Exactly. You diet down, you're back to 180. You could be at 60% fat. So you're getting fatter and fatter. And, is it, and, and the so, muscle mass drops. And the muscle mass drops, which is it true that now it's even harder to lose weight? Because, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because well, now you have more fat to lose. Yeah. Right. And if you're really just relying on that scale, like, okay, I want to be 120 and you get on the scale and it tells you 120, but you do it every time, every time, every time. And you're having to go more extreme, work out longer, more cardio, dropping your calories, probably even more. 
and you're just becoming fatter and fatter and fatter, even though the number tells you on the scale that, hey, you are where you want to be. But then you're going to notice, hey, my clothes feel bad, right? right? I feel slow. I feel sluggish. This is the, you know, the, the, here's the sad part when I um, see people on these plans, especially with, with teachers, because every teacher's on something. They're on some kind of crazy diet. They're in mm-hmm. some biggest loser group on campus. They're, they're, you know, they're selling shakes and trying to lose the weight. You know. So the sad part is they're losing, they, some of them are losing weight and they're doing everything right in their mind, like in their perception of what right is and what's written on this plan. And they're following and they are losing, but really what's damaging is their metabolism and they're going to, it's, you know, it's all coming back at some point. And even though they're doing everything right, they're going to end up in a place that's worse than where they started. Right. And what I've found actually is that a lot of the women that I do work with are 40 and over, right? So they're perimenopausal, premenopausal heading towards menopause. And they're like all of a sudden, Oh, well my metabolism now, it's just slow as it can possibly be because it has to be my age. So when you talk to somebody and then you find out how they've dieted in the past, they don't understand how they've dieted in the past, how much it will affect them yeah. every single year, especially leading up into those premenopausal, perimenopausal years. Because yeah, your hormones play a huge role in, in your uh, um, overall metabolism and what's going to happen with fat storage. Right. And so after the dieting, after the yo-yos for a decade, sometimes two decades of yo-yoing, because they, they might start right after college when they come back from college and 25 pounds heavier and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now they get their first job and they can join a gym and they still lose weight, but there's, you know, there's no carbs in the diet. And anyway, and, they, they're, and they're getting up and down, up and down, essentially losing muscle, muscle becoming a higher percentage of fat, fat. And then now in their 40s and now the hormones come into play. And now they're at a real loss of what to do. Yes, absolutely. And unfortunately, there's so much miss. And this is why I actually um, became a nutritional specialist, right? I was inspired by Kim Porterfield because I worked with somebody who did that. It was a bro science type of thing, the misinformation that's out there. And you follow it and you want to trust these people. But it destroys you. So once you find out the truth about how you should be eating, if you're someone who works out consistently, it, it kind of makes you angry. <laughs> it yeah. makes you angry because here was all this information out there that's destroyed you. And now you have to, it takes years. It, it might take years to get back to where you need to be. I know it took um, Kim and I about three years to get me to where I could. I mean, I eat tons of carbs now, tons. And I'm not talking veggies. Veggies are non-starch polysaccharides, mm. folks. They don't count as a carbohydrate. A carbohydrate. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I'm, as you see, I'm pretty darn lean. Yeah, really <laughs> like lean. like a pig. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so, when, and so what's, what's the starting process? So when, when a client comes to you and, 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 and we'll just use teachers and that's, that's who listen. And here's the challenge. They all have the same, um, they're on the same plan. Like they're all getting up. And they're just getting their kids ready for school. Not, not many of them are having breakfast. And they get to campus and, and they, they're having a donut because teachers are loved by parents. And parents bring kolaches and donuts because they love teachers. And they think that's a loving act. And then they, a lot of them don't eat lunch because they're working. Or if they do, they just grab some steak fingers out of the lunch line. And they get home. They got kids have soccer. And they got swim team. And they got gymnastics. And they're running kids around. And they eat, you know, a, 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 they're picking up something in the fast food on the way home. And so... So what is the first step? Like when, when you have a client that comes to you, is it because you can't change everything like all at once? Right. Is, it, is, there, is there a place that you typically start with a client on something they can do proactively? Breakfast. That's the one. And yeah, for me, because there, we have this recipe for protein muffins or protein pancakes. Mm-hmm. You can prepare these in bulk. 
put them in the refrigerator, put them in the freezer, what have you. They're grab and goes. Yeah. Right. So that way you're not getting to the school and seeing the donuts and you're so ravenous at that time. I mean, the number one trigger for everybody, everybody is hunger, right? I'm a nutritional specialist. If I am hungry, I'm going to eat whatever you put in my right. face. Especially if hungry. the especially if the sugar is wafting out of the you know, teacher workroom. Exactly. Oh and then when you're looking at the stress levels of teachers as well, right? Yeah. What does stress do? It triggers us to crave sugar. So if we can kind of pull back on that by getting a nutritious breakfast, then they might be a little bit less prone to going to the school and seeing that food and saying, well, let me go ahead and pick that up and eat it because they've already been satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so we have a teacher and, um, I think this is one of those things that once they, um, take that first step and is it like a habit thing? Did you try to get them like in the habit? So then it just happens. And then, and then there's, you just go to the second step. Is that kind of the deal? Yes. We wanted them to create, everybody creates habits, whether they're good or bad. It takes just as much effort, right? Mm-hmm. To create a bad habit as a good one. So if they can start creating that little ritual for themselves, maybe on a Sunday prepping all their breakfast meals, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, the protein pancakes are easy, right? It's got your protein and your carb all in one in that. And you prep those on Saturday or Sunday for the whole week, and you just get in that little ritual. I wake up, I'm getting ready to out the door, pull out my muffins, eat them on the way to, to school. Mm-hmm. You create that habit for you. You're going to feel awkward when you don't do it. Yeah. It makes sense. It's yeah. like, oh, something's missing in my day, my step. And that's one of the steps that we want to create in people. Sure. And then and then how much at this point is um is exercise playing a role? As you- long as you move. And it ultimately for me, you have some women they think they need to automatically go into the gym and pick up a weight, right? Um, if that's yeah. something you've never done, you're uncomfortable with, you're not gonna stick with it. Mm. Right. And a lot of women don't know how to work out. I mean, they go into a gym and they're looking at the dumbbells and what am I supposed to do with these? Right. Right. But they don't understand there are people out there that can help them. Personal trainers, doctors of physical therapy, which I highly recommend people always go out and get a movement assessment, a functional movement assessment before they even begin working out because you'll cause injury if you Mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing. But for me, as long as you're moving, if you're moving, start with that. Start with something that you enjoy that's going to help clear your mind. Again, teachers under a lot of stress, if they can just take 10 minutes out of their day, take a deep breath, go outside and walk, make them feel better, decompress before they move on with their day. Yeah. It's a good place to start. You know, I think that's one thing is um, yeah, I kind of grew up in the gym. I, I was going ever um, um, just, I don't even know, since I was 15 or 16. And just, you know, when you're like the runt of the litter, you find some outlet to <laughs> <laughs> go to the gym. And then... uh but um, but to, when I when I'm in the gym, I I can see somebody walk in and to watch them walk up to you know some sort of plate loaded or cable machine and just stare at it, thinking mm-hmm. how do I even get into that thing? What is it? And they're looking at the picture, and then what I typically see them do is walk away. Yes, absolutely. And, and then they'll, they'll think, well, maybe I can figure out how to turn on the treadmill. And that's like maybe that might be the whole thing they do because they just have no idea where to start. Right. So starting with something that you already do, that you enjoy, that's easy, as simple as walking. And don't be afraid to go into your gym, talk to a personal trainer, um, make sure you vet them, find out what kind of certs they have and all of that. But um, learn from them. Learn from somebody. Like I, I honestly had no idea how to work out, right? Pick up an oxygen magazine and read the workouts in there. Because at the time when I was doing this, again, this was back in the early 2000s. God, I feel 
so old. Um, <laughs> but they oxygen at that time was bare, it was um, owned by Robert Kennedy mm-hmm. and very, very detailed in how to do the workout to do the movement properly. So it yeah. was, it was a good starting point for me. And nowadays, I mean, there's so much information on YouTube alone. There is muscle motion, I think is an amazing app, um, or program too, that you can get online mm-hmm. and it'll actually show you the workouts, but it's really cool. Cause it also shows you the muscles that are moving mm-hmm. and shows you how to correct improper things. So that's a really good resource too. That's for Greek geeks like me. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I love it. You know, and, and just even there, um, you know, some, so many uh, different, you know, the, like the cardio blenders a cardio blender or something like that, where they have like a hit cardio 20 minute session you can do in the morning and, and, and just, you know, having that available, uh, for teachers and, and for you, have you found that, um, have you found that it's a struggle for your clients if they're trying to do this alone without uh, a partner or a spouse or a group? Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to have a support system and teachers have a great support system. I mean, that's what really made my first year good. Yeah. Right. Because I'm here, I'm struggling with these kids trying to connect with them. Seniors. Oh my gosh, forget it. They're ready to get out of the door. (laughs) Right. right? Yeah. But so if it wasn't for my support system of teachers, then I would have foundered. And actually one of the teachers there, she got into running. So she created a running club. And after school. So join that. I hate to run, right. but did it because it's a camaraderie. Yeah. I used to be able to run, but you know what? It seems as I got older, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that um, I've lost the cerebral fluid or something because I can feel my brain smashing against the sides of my skull. <laughs> Forget it. What am I doing, man? Yeah. I like to sprint. I do not. I'm, I've got a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers and uh, slow twitch kind. I like to sprint. That's it. Yeah. But to sit there and do the long distance thing, if people love it, great. God bless them. Right. Run away. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I can't neither. do it. So, so like for my cardio, instead of running, what I'll do is I'm, I'm just, I'll get, I'm all about the stair mill. Yeah. That thing, God bless you. That's a torture device. Here's the thing. It's always available. (laughs) No one's on the, it's dusty. You got to get the dust because no one's used that thing except for me. That or the Jacob's ladder. Have you seen that? I have. I can't. Oh my gosh. uh, Not interested. (laughs) And then for anyone I do for my, cause I can't run when I can't sprint either, but what I'll do for my uh, cardio for a treadmill you want to do is I put that thing on the highest, the steepest incline. I'll get it going at a good pace where I'll get going for about a minute, minute and a half. Then I slide off the back. I do deep body squats for 30 seconds. Jump. So it's like one squat per second for 30 seconds, jump back on, let my heart come back down. After, after a minute, as soon as my heart comes back, I can kind of breathe. I slide it back off and do 30 and 30 seconds, but deep body squats, get back up. And that right there, man, that's a fat killer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, I wish works. they could see my face. <laughs> You are the boss. I would die. Oh, my God. It works, though. I want to get it done, and I want to get out. You know, I want something fast and effective and efficient with the least amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that works. Yeah, I love HIIT training. I mean, if um, don't start off with this, definitely, if you're learning how to right. work out and that type of thing. But there is nothing like a true HIIT training session. You know, 20, 20 minutes, you're, you're done, and you're burning yeah. calories all day long. But a lot of people need to know this is, I'm a personal trainer too, mm-hmm. you know, but um, there's a difference between hit and vit. So you want to make sure you know the difference between the two, but both of them, I think would give you a good equal yeah. calorie burn throughout the day. I thought I was doing hit until I went to Florida and I trained at the MI40 gym with um, Joe Bennett and Ben Pikulski and all those guys. And uh, I watched Ben do his, some hit on his 
crazy bike thing they have over there. Like I thought I was doing hit training until I saw that dude. Yeah. It's unbelievable to see what kind of effort they put out th- for 30 seconds. It's ridiculous. I mean, I would die. I mean, you're, I, when I did my VO2 max test mm-hmm. and they had me at my max uh, and I, I couldn't hold it because I'm like, I'm going to die. You want me to do this for 20 seconds to hold that? Right. <laughs> no. When, when I try to do it like he does, I mean, I put my phone on the floor, I hit the timer, and I get the bike going. I say, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 seconds. I close my eyes and I'm sweating and everything's happening. And I look up and it's like been 12 seconds. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, yeah. I can't do this for 18 more. There's no way. Mm-hmm. I think I made it like 15 or 16 seconds the first time, maybe 20 seconds. I'm not sure I've ever got to 30 of yeah. that kind of intensity. Yeah. That's it's really hard. It is. It really, really is hard. Max effort in for anything is yeah. hard. Right, right. I think that's why they call it effort, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. And so, and so, when you when you decided to get into this thing, you decided to go get certified and do your personal trainer certification. Mm-hmm. Where did you go for that? Um, NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine. So I'm a certified personal trainer through them, and I also have my fitness nutrition specialist through them as well. All right. So when a client comes to you, and um, and they uh, they they show up, it, you're you're going to work with them on their not just their personal training and, and what happens in the gym, but also what's happening. At home, in the kitchen. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so it's two separate things. When I was working on my own, they would be two separate consultations, mm-hmm. right? So the personal training is one thing. I would start them off with the physical assessment and health assessment. Then the nutrition was a completely separate um, deal because I need to know their health history, how they've dieted, all sure. that. And you can't sit there and talk about that in detail yeah. during a personal training session. Yeah. I always, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, if you think about people, even the people that has a, have a, because honestly, like the gyms I go to, I don't see, I'm not sure if I've ever seen an amazing transformation of a client and there's personal trainers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they wonder why, but if, if you just do the math and think, okay, well they're, you know, they're, how many hours are in a week and they're here with their trainer two or three hours out of those. That's like, you know, 2% of the week. Right. What do you so do at home? The 98, the 98% of your time is really, they'll, they'll never make up for what they're doing with 98, 98% of the time with the 2% of the time they're spending with a trainer. And I think what they're doing, but I think it, again, it's the same thing. Just don't know. They don't know. And the, also the thing with personal trainers, it is beyond their scope of practice to talk specifics about nutrition, right? The way that we do, um, with lean body coaching or mm-hmm. what they do over there at the Institute of Eating Management, but, um, they can give general guidelines. I mean, it's not hard to say, Hey, you know, if you're eating at McDonald's, maybe that's not the best choice for you. Maybe you should try this. Right. Um, they can do things like that, but I would, I would honestly argue it's 90% diet. I mean, you can, I have had clients that they won't follow the nutritional programs and they come in there and I kill them. I mean, I really do, but their body doesn't train. They feel stronger. They Mm -hmm. feel more awake, but their body's not changing. Why is my my body not changing? So are you following the meal plan I created for you? Yeah. No. Well. You can't. (laughs) Let's just say you can't outrun a bad diet. You can't outrun a bad diet. You really, really can't. And I've tried, right? Because I experimented with myself Mm -hmm. because I just do that. Let me see what happens if I do it. If it's your macros. Right. Yeah. No. Right. (laughs) Totally doesn't, doesn't, calories are not created equal. They really, really aren't. A lot of it has to do with calories, of course, but it's also the type of nutrition you're putting into your body. It will affect you as well, especially more so for women. Um, I really believe that because of our estrogen, progesterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, so so let's talk about because I think what what people really want to know about is how you made that personal uh, transfer uh, transformation with your physique after when you're up and you're topping the scales and you're getting your beeper and you're backing up and the beeper's going off and you're at one seventy five and when it, and so at that point at what point at what point did you uh, call Kim Porterfield over at Institute of Eating Management? Yeah, I didn't call Kim until after I had already done a couple of years of shows. Mm -hmm. And what I had noticed is the first round of shows that I did, it was a very low carb diet, more ketogenic style. I actually, we call it a rebound. I rebounded really badly um, in a month, about a month, month and a half, I gained 30 pounds back. All right. So the rebound is when when you're doing the keto thing and you're training with crazy intensity Mm -hmm. and and hours and hours of cardio. Yep. And you're and and are you doing um, kind of steady state, low intensity, long hours of cardio? Yep. Uh, and so the rebound, what we're talking about, is when you're when when you add a normal, typical daily diet and you add some rice and some even even healthy carbs back in your diet. We're talking about sweet potatoes and rice and quinoa and those types of things. Even that, you're going to rebound absolutely, and, and you gain thirty pounds back. Gain thirty pounds back. It was very disheartening. And if you've ever spoken to a competitor, (laughs) which I'm sure you have, after you come off of um, a plan like that, you can't stop the craving. And you'll have a trainer tell you, my trainer said, well, it's your fault. You have no self-control. That has nothing to do with it. That's your brain saying, hey, wake up, dude. I am starving up here because your brain runs off of sugar, right? So it makes you eat. And you can't stop. You mm. crave sugar, sugar, sugar. And so you just you keep going. It's really um, kind of frightening, actually. Yeah. So I gained 30 pounds back. The second round of shows I did the following year. And what we found is, guess what? Couldn't drop the fat. Mm. Right? Yeah. So went to even more extremes. Depleted me three days. So <gasps> no carbohydrates whatsoever. Right? Yeah. Um, and then cause this person was always like, how much do you weigh? How much do you weigh? It was always about that scale number. Mm-hmm. So that was when I pretty much had it. I binged, um, I think eight weeks out from my show and it was a clean binge, right? It was oats, sweet potatoes, whatever. Mm. And I think that kind of what saved my physique, to yeah. be honest with you, my brain. But I was like, there's something fundamentally wrong with this. There really is. So that's when I decided to get my fitness nutrition specialist. And that's really angered me because everything I learned from there from NASA, I'm like, this guy could have destroyed my body in the way it did, right? I had adrenal fatigue. Um, And at that point, my husband had worked with Kim Mm -hmm. already. We had found him through Get Lean and tried to look up Keith. So I was like, what the heck was I doing? Why didn't I just work with her from the beginning? So that's when I I looked up Kim and she did my my meal plan for me for my, my show. All right. And so you found Kim and then, um, and you have all these big meals coming in and what you've got to be thinking. Oh, I was scared out of my mind. Kim's like, yeah, here's your carbs. I'm like, I'm going to eat carbs. Right. And she's like, yeah. Right. I'm like, I can't do that. She's like, you trust me, trust the process. So I, I've trusted her. I trusted her. There was a point where, um, the body fat stopped. Um, cause I was doing a hydrostatic weigh in for mm-hmm. her every two weeks and I was not losing any body fat anymore. I'd stagnated. So when I talked to her, um, she, she knows the right questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And it got down to, I was in chronic pain, still am today. That's why you see me moving around my right side, but my, my hip, my back, and it was from improper form. So I had a trainer, right? But it was more about how much can you lift, right? Not as opposed to form. So I'm in this chronic pain. Kim said, you need to get the pain under control. If you can get the pain under control, you need to stop doing legs and then we'll see the body fat change again. She was right. Mm. <laughs> what is that about the whole cortisol? Yes. 
Yeah. Elevated cortisol is going to cause you to store fats. Just hold it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and so I think for me, what's shocking for most people when they find out about um, the lean body approach and the Institute of Eating Management and everything you guys have going on at Lean Body Coaching is the volume of food. I think they're so freaked. You, they, they're thinking you cannot expect me. There's no way I'm going to lose weight and eat this much food. Yes, absolutely. It's probably the number one thing we hear. Do you want me to eat that? Right. Yeah, we really do. I can't eat all, all of that. it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, I have a couple of clients in lean body coaching. When they started off, mm-hmm. um, they were getting a certain portion of egg whites, certain portion portion of oats, and they were making pancakes out of it. But then they'd eat one of the pancakes. I'm like, right. the thing makes three. You have to eat all three. I can't eat all three. I'm full after the first. You have to eat all three. I can't. I need you to eat all three. (laughs) Okay. Now you see the transformation and they're like, you were so right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for me, the way when when I start to lock in my nutrition and get really focused and when I'm packing food to go on the road, because I spend a lot of time in hotels on the road and speaking is um, when I, after I'm done playing around and I'm going to get serious, the way I do it and works for me is I focus on the number of meals first. So if I want to eat five or six meals, what I do is I'll, 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 intentionally include less food, but I just want to get the numbers of meals. So let's say I put in like four ounces of protein and four ounces of carb just to start. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I eat all my meals, but in a couple of days I'm hungry. So I up at the four and a half, five ounces of protein, you know, and then up the carbs. And then I keep that way I keep, because it's, it's all just, just start out like that. For me, it's too hard. I think some people might want to do less meals, but the full meal, but for me, I want to do all the meals just as just a little bit of food at a time. And just, and and by after a week, not even a week. I mean, you're hungry. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yep. Absolutely. It takes about a week for people to adjust. Mm -hmm. And what they'll notice, the first thing I'll ask them after a week, I'll say, so when you wake up in the morning, you're hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. Right. (laughs) Good. Yeah. (laughs) And then they want to eat their breakfast and then they are noticing what they'll notice as long as they keep it consistent is that around that three hour market, they're going to start feeling hungry and they might not realize that three hours has passed, but they're like, Oh wow, I'm hungry. Then look at their watch. and like, Oh my gosh, it's been three hours. Yeah. Right. So it's really kind of cool. Yes. For me, I've got all those alarms set. Yeah, the, time to eat. My stomach tells me, it's like, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> time to eat. Time to eat. And, and so you went to, and, you, and you, you met with Kim online or on the phone? It was on the phone. On the phone and you're sending in your reports. And then um, this is what's cool. You actually uh, fly down here. To thank her. To thank her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so you're in Virginia and you fly all the way to Houston mm-hmm. to hang out. And uh, and so you met with Keith and Kim. And what did you guys do? Did you guys go out to eat? We went to- out to eat. We went to Grotto's and oh. we ordered the off of the Keith Klein menu. Fancy. Which I thought was so cool. I was so impressed when right. we got a Keith Klein menu. I know. With Keith Klein. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's like a celebrity. Oh, I was so starstruck. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, and so and so you uh, at at that point um, you kind of get you guys became friends. Yeah. And so it came between, uh, you know, a nutritious client relationship more than like a friendship. A friendship. And the thing I loved about the most, Kim's always been really real with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even after, before I, um, was it before or after? I can't remember when it was before or after my fitness nutrition specialist. But we were talking about um, creating meal plans for people. And she's like, Elizabeth, I don't want you doing that yet, please. And I said, well, why? She's like, well, let me ask you a simple question. Let's say you get a client and they're on Warfin. What do you do? I said, mm. Kim, I don't know. She's like, exactly. 
now I do know what to do. Yeah. Right. But that's a reality check. And I think um, everyone should have that because a lot of people are on medications that you don't know how their diet's going to affect affect them. Yeah. Right. So that's when I started going to school at the Huntington College of Health Sciences. I've got my diploma in comprehensive nutrition. Right. So it used to be the CN, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't have a CN test anymore. So now yeah. I, I'm a nutrition specialist. Yeah. Um, but and then I have one more class to take and then I'm going to sit for the International Society of Sports Nutrition test to become a certified sports nutrition specialist, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just from that one thing. My, my Kim being our friend and being real and asking me that one question. Right. That triggered that. Yep. It's a huge responsibility. It absolutely, have someone's health in your hands. You you do, and people don't realize that Mm-mm. food is medicine, right? Yeah. It really truly is. And if you're on meds, right. okay, you might have to be careful of what you decide to eat, right, and how you feed somebody. Absolutely. If you've got somebody with Hashimoto's, how do you feed them? Right. Right. And, and everybody has something. Everybody has something. Yeah. A little something, something. Yeah, and then and and so at what point? So all right, here now here comes the bulk of it. So at what point um, does this concept come up with working with Keith and Lee Labrada over at Labrada Nutrition and Lean Body Coaching? When did you get the call for that? Um, I was actually working for a group in Maryland mm-hmm. helping with um, bodybuilding. Right. So the person who owned the company, she was a posing coach, amazing posing coach. Really, she knows her stuff and did nutrition for bodybuilders as well. But what I kind of noticed is over a period of time, this I was in school now at this point Mm -hmm. um, for my diploma and they were leaning more if it fits your macros. And I don't necessarily agree with if it fits your macros because I don't think, especially in the world of bodybuilding, that you should be substituting a Pop-Tart for a sweet potato because it fits your macros, right? You're probably one of the most unhealthy states that you could possibly be sure. as a bodybuilder, right? So you need all the nutrients you can possibly get. So they were leaning a little bit more like that. So I just, I've wanted to work with Keith. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And I told them, I said, one of my dreams was like, maybe we can open an institute management East coast thing. But I decided to call him and I told him what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what should I do moving forward? And he said, Hey, you know, I've got this thing coming up. It's called lean body coaching. Would you be interested in being a coach? I'll train you and tell you all you need to do. I'm like, are you kidding? Said so this was three years ago. Yeah. And I just went, um, went blind faith. I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. Finished up my studies and, here I am. It's exciting. Right. It's exciting. It's a lot of faith you put into that deal. Well, he, I don't know. He put more faith in me and that's, um, yeah. I'm internally grateful for that. But here's the thing about that guy. I've, I've known that guy since 1990 and everything he's ever done has been filled with nothing but a hundred percent value and integrity. Absolutely. And he might be one of the most honest, honorable people you could ever meet. Ab- absolutely. I mean, seriously, his friendship and Kim's friendship is just invaluable because they'll tell you like it is yeah. and they'll tell you gently, but he does everything on the up and up. Sincere. Right. So the lean body coaching, let's talk about this. This is, um, this is fascinating because here, um, what you have, what people have access to now, this is the cool thing about the internet. Like years ago, you had to go to Keith's office and, you know, and is, you know, and, and, you know, be there in part, the whole thing. But now because of the internet, what it allows people to do is have the same kind of results that he has had with thousands of people over 40 years. Mm-hmm. 
where anybody can get online and for a fraction of the cost have that same kind of result. And so, so what, what people do now is, is they join Lean Body Coaching online mm-hmm. and they get to work with the nutrition. They get to work with you, mm-hmm. who's an expert in nutrition and also uh, exercise and fitness and, and, and they have access to, to, meal plans and a library of recipes. I went through the whole, it's unbelievable. The, whole, the, the platform that they've built is, I, I can't even imagine how many, I take it, it's taken 40 years to build. It's amazing. It, the, it really truly is. When I first opened it up, because mm-hmm. we did a beta program and I was a part of that and I did all the, um, a lot of the editing for the writing. I was like, wow, guys, you're putting something out there yeah. that isn't, out there, especially for the price that you're asking, this is insane because just, you know it's kind of costly to sit with Keith, Ciao. and rightly so, right. right? But now you're offering everything that Keith would teach you in in his office right here. And not only that, you have um, it's myself and Coach Chuck Derringer, mm-hmm. and he has a master's in exercise science. So all of the information that you're getting in there about workouts, because even though we don't create custom workouts in the program. Right. I mean, Chuck has sat down and he has written out this, the, the scientific explanations of why you should do this, this, and this. I mean, it's, you're not going to find that anywhere no. else. Right. So it's, it's really fascinating. It is. And, and, um, and, and so you, you had your first class come through Yeah, and uh, that was the beta group. And, um, and tell me about some of the success stories that you've had in there with uh, with, with those. Uh, is, I, I guess most of them are ladies. Um, everyone in my group right now are, are women. Okay. And so have you had some women who really went all in and they're seeing some great results? Yes, absolutely. That's the I cool part. think um, the one, the tra- I have to admit, the transformations I'm loving the most mm-hmm. are the mental. Yeah. Right. It That's so important because you have a lot of women who feel like if I'm not losing 10 pounds, in a month, then I have a failure. And what they don't understand is like, well, let's look back before you started this program. How were you eating then? Well, I was doing this, this, and this. Well, aren't you in a better place now than you were when you started? Well, yeah, I am. Do you feel better now than when you started the program? Yeah. Do you have more energy now? Yeah. All right. So can you see, focus on all the things that you're doing right? That's eventually going to get you where you are. Well, yeah. Yeah. So they're taking all of this negative energy that they once had walking into this program mm-hmm. and they're walking out, they're able to change, we've changed their mindset where they can see all the small changes that they've done and they're proud of themselves for that. And that I'm loving yeah. more than just the actual physical transformation. Those are fun too. Right. Especially when I get somebody that writes, oh my gosh, I just weighed myself, I weighed this and look at my measurements and they're all excited, but it's the mental Part that's really really exciting about this program. Yeah, and you know, my, my my favorite question is: I heard Keith ask of somebody, and I think this might have been on his radio show like ten years ago. But uh, a woman called in. And she talked about the, the the difference that you know this has made in her life, and other. And he was listening, and she talked about the weight she lost, and and how she feels better, and everything. She's going on and on, and he's listening. At the end, I think he said he asked something like. He said, tell me about the other areas, the other areas of your life that have improved at this same time as well. And you could tell she had never like put it together, but she talking about what happened in her career and her relationships and her family. And she could all track it back to really when that started to improve was at the same exact time that she started the program with him. Mm-hmm. Everything we teach in that program, I wish somehow we need to put that out there a little bit more 
it's not just applicable to nutrition. It's applicable to every aspect of your life. It really, truly is. And when you can embrace that, what we're teaching, especially in our relapse prevention module, so I think that's what also sets us Mm -hmm. apart from everybody else, right? The first 12 weeks are there to talk about nutrition, to help you lose weight. You know, we can create the custom plan for you. But that last 12 weeks where we talk about relapse prevention and really have you change your mindset about things, that's your whole life, not just food. Yeah. Your relationships, your work. Everything. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I agree I, I, because I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in other people's lives. But I think for someone who's never experienced it, I th- like a, that that might be one of those things you, they, they can't they can't really process and believe until it happens. Yeah. And it's magical. It's great. Yeah. It's like you can say it, but it, it won't make sense until it happens. And, it, you know, it's kind of like having a baby where like, you know, people can talk to you about having a baby and you think, you know, what it's like to have a baby. But until you and your spouse are staring at each other, look at each other, and there's a human being that you made that? <laughs> breathing. <laughs> And looking at you, <laughs> like, how are we going to keep that thing alive? Right. Like, you don't, you don't know what it's like until you actually have the baby. And I think that's the same thing with this type of thing is, you know, we can talk about the benefits that happens in every aspect of your life, but until they experience it, they re- it's, it's almost hard to imagine what it's really like. Yeah. It's, and Keith calls it the shift. The shift. Yeah. Right? I remember that. It's called the shift. So when you make that change in your mind sh- mindset mm-hmm. when you learn how to use tools like better bad choices um and again even the better bad choices is nutrition if you kind of look at it in a different perspective well kind of goes into your life too you can make better bad choices in regard to your friends right right yeah <laughs> little things like that it's a you almost can hear the shift happening the mm-hmm. click you're like wow that's so cool they were so right and it just changes your life it really really yeah. does it's like changed the, mine. It's like the aha moment in it, teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. That aha moment. And you're right. You know, and you see it in the kids' faces too. When yeah. They, when they have that, they're like, <gasps> and you just feel that pride, right? When right. you're working with the students. Same, Same thing. thing here. Yep. And, and I think you're right. I think the one thing is not one. I mean, there's so much to it, but um, I think the part is easily underestimated and the power of is the relapse prevention. Yeah. Absolutely. Because what happens is that a lot of people, they'll lose the weight mm-hmm. and then they'll start to lapse and then eventually relapse, right. right? So they'll go back and find that they've gained everything back. So our goal isn't, you see all these other programs that have the before and after, yeah. right? Okay. Well, where are they five years from now? Where are they 10 years yeah. from now? I mean, I can tell you, I, and you've met my husband, Right? Is jacked. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's Kim's. <laughs> he's a product of Kim Porterfield, right? Yeah. And he's maintained that ever since he started working with her. He never did a follow-up because he told Kim the day um, after he started, she's like, okay, you can do the follow-up. He's like, I'll do this. You tell me to do this. I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And he has. And I've kept my weight off. Um, Was it been six Six years now, yeah. maybe more. Again, I can't keep up with the time. Mm-hmm. But that's our goal. We want the after-afters. This isn't about a short-term thing. This is a lifestyle change, not just physically, mentally as well. We want you to be able to keep the weight off and keep your mindset great for the long term. Forever. Forever. You know, what's what's fascinating is I never even thought about the um, the relapse prevention thing. But like if you go in a bookstore, not that we have bookstores, but if there were <laughs> bookstores, now that we have one in Houston, I think. And it, like if you go into the Barnes & Noble and they have, I, I mean, well, I'm guessing – 
four thousand books on diet nutrition yeah. just in the book i mean on amazon it might be a hundred thousand different ones but um the question you know since we everybody knows that's ever done a diet is there's going to be a relapse Right. That's going to happen, but isn't? But now that you say it, it's fascinating to me that why doesn't every book, if it's a true diet book and a plan and a nutritional program, why doesn't it include a relapse prevention portion if you know that's going to happen? Because if you do that, then that's going to tell you this diet's going to fail. Yeah, nobody wants to say my right. diet's going to fail. You pick up a paleo, a keto, whatever, just follow this, and you're going to lose the weight. If they mention relapse prevention, then that's to suggest that hey, maybe. The diet's not going to work for you, right. which is the wrong way of looking at it, right? Because really the suggestion is we're just human. Right, exactly. That you're going to lapse. I mean, I am a nutrition specialist. I lapse, absolutely. And it's normal, mm. right? It's But how do you respond to the lapse? Right. Do you keep going or do you tell yourself, oh, I'm not comfortable with this and let me go back and find out what key tool did I drop? Right to make me lapse and let me repick up that tool and move forward. Sure. You know, and, and, um, for me, I remember sitting with Keith and we're looking at my nutrition and, uh, and just wasn't working. And the one little thing was I started using barbecue sauce. Are you serious? Yeah. So would you use a high sugar barbecue sauce? Well, yeah. Why would you use a low sugar one? It's they high have sugar them. tastes great. They have them. The Walden Farm ones. I know. Tried now I know. Really but, you know, Keith does that thing where he doesn't, you know, he makes you count the sugar packets. As you know, that too. Yeah, yeah. Where he gives, he gives you a whole bag of sugar packets and say, and said, no, you start taking them out one by one and you stop when you think you've had a serving of barbecue sauce. I'm like, I take out one and stop. He goes, no, keep going, brother. <laughs> And it sinks it in, man. Like, you know. And, now, and then he says, would you ever put that much sugar on anything in your life? He goes, no, well, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Now, here's um, here's what's interesting. I love how um, you've made a distinction and uh, between uh, the word lapse and relapse. Because mm-hmm. I can hear it in your language. Like, sometimes you'll say relapse and sometimes you say lapse. Right. And so... I don't think people know there's a difference. Okay. A lapse is just a very temporary setback. Yeah. All right. So for example, if you're a teacher, right, let's say you forgot your breakfast that morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you go into the school and they brought you a bunch of donuts. That's a lapse, a minor setback because you're hungry. You're going to sit there and you're going to eat donuts and lapse has happened all the time, right? You could be at a wedding. Mm. Okay. And you can want to have a piece of cake or a little bit of this. Right. right. So it's just, it's very temporary. Sure. Okay. Vacations, lapses. A relapse is when you go back to your old ways a hundred percent. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then that's when everybody goes back to their original weight or and some because they've dropped primarily a a key tool that was helping them keep the weight off. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when you drop a key tool, or in my case, when I was adding barbecue sauce, barbecue because you're sauce. having that sugar, it makes you want more sugar. So you start overlooking in other areas. Yeah, I have a dessert. Yeah, why would I not? Right, exactly. And then, and then it just it just expands exponentially, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And expands your waistline. Yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it did me anyway. Right. So we're trying to prevent. We know lapses are going to happen. That's natural. What right. we want to prevent is the the relapse. Yeah. That's why he's instituting management relapse prevention. Right. It makes sense, right? <laughs> Yeah, so um, for for those folks that um, because I'm sure not every everybody you know just human everybody you know people that sign up 
some people sign up because they're hundred percent committed. They're all in. And mm-hmm. some people sign up because they like the idea of maybe I might be able to do this and, but they're not really committed for those people that don't see the results that they were hoping for. Typically what has been your experience is the reason. They're, they're not really eating on point, right? So when I have a client who's not seeing results, mm-hmm. okay, their mentality is shifting, but they're, their body's not really changing at that time. I'll say, well, how about you do this for me? How about let me do a five day meal? Look, let's see how you're eating. And then that's where I'll find, well, look what you're doing here. Look what you're doing here. And look what you added here. Uh Oh, (laughs) right. So we even talk about the people that say, Oh, I eat right. 80% of the time. Well, if you're eating right, 80% of the time, right. Let's say you're eating right Monday through Friday afternoon, but then you go out Friday night you kill it Saturday night and you're eating out at one place and the calories in that's like 1500 calories just for one bloody meal. Right. Right. And then Sunday, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do brunch brunch, baby. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of negated your whole week. Yeah. Right. So you're not going to move forward. Right. I think people, yeah. In fact, I heard a trainer talk about, um, just standing right next to me and telling her client, you know, just so you're eating clean all day, you know, it's okay to treat yourself at night. Mm. No, it's not. Mm. It's just like the math doesn't work. Yeah, and it's not only that, is if you're sitting there, and this is kind of my philosophy, if, if you're working that hard to lose the weight, okay, how is eating ice cream, cake, whatever that treat may be, really a gift to yourself? Because isn't that really kind of setting you back further from your goal? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not a reward. Actually, you're kind of negating where your goal, you're trying to go. Yeah. So that makes no sense to me. Treat it yourself, does too. T- treat yourself some other way. And, and for me, you know what I have to do? For me, it's really, really hard to do one or the other. I have no interest in training and working out if I'm not eating on point. And also the other way around, I'm not really interested in eating on point or, or in ruining it. You know, if I'm training, I'm going to eat on point. If I'm eating on point, I'm going to train. Yeah, It's hard for me to do one but not the I'm not even sure I can. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah. Like if I'm yeah. eating on point, I guess I'm going to maintain, I guess. I'm not really a maintain guy. Like I want to make it advance. Make it count. Yeah, I want to have some achievement. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just don't see food as a, for someone who's trying to lose weight, food is the wrong quote unquote reward for those efforts. Yeah. It just is. And I think, you know, also I think that, I mean, that, that once a week will keep you sane. Yeah, the once a week reward right. meal. I just call it a cheat meal. I change it to reward a treat, meal. A treat meal. Treat meal. And, um, you know, but here's here's my technique for that. I don't know how other people do it. But I will eat everything. I'm going to eat it all. So it's not about what I put. It's about how much I buy. So I'm buying one steak. <laughs> I'm buying, a, you know, the a little bag of chips you send with your kid to school. Yes, yes. I'm buying one of those little. I'm going to eat, buy, I'm gonna eat them all. You know, I buy the individual, you know, uh, serving of like a frozen piece of pie or something. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. it's apple turnover frozen, or it's like a one uh, cupcake in a mug type of thing. So I'm going to buy one little dessert, one little carb, one little steak, and I'm eating everything, and then it's gone. Right. We would call that a better bad choice. Yeah. So that's something we actually cheat teach, right? Because we do encourage people to have treat meals. I have one every week mm-hmm. as well. My husband and I have a planned treat meal. So we teach them how to make better bad choices when they go out to eat so they can still enjoy the things that they like, but they're just doing it in such a way that it doesn't have quite that big of an impact. Yeah. Make sense? All right. What's your, what's your go-to treat meal? Oh God, you're killing me. Get it out there. What is it? <laughs> Tell the world. <laughs> Tell the world. I like cake and cookies. 
<laughs> okay. Now I have to say the good thing about it is that it's very hard to find the cookies I like. I like Greek cookies hmm. and nobody can make them like my mother-in-law and she's in Greece. <laughs> so I guess I kind of beat it on there. The other thing I like red wine. There you go. All right. So I'm just careful. I'm mindful about the pour if I'm going to have that. Yeah. So you just buy you just buy one box and drink the whole box. The cookies or the wine? <laughs> the wine. Oh, the wine. <laughs> no. No, I'll go eight ounce pour instead of a four. Right. I'll eat all the cookies too. But what I'll do is I'll make I'll just buy those. Um, what are those little white bags? You know, like they're small and that big. And that way, between me and my son, we can kill them all. The Pepperidge Farm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Those ones. Yes, that way they're gone. You know, you want you know once a week, and it is over. Yeah, I used to Done. love Trader Joe's animal crackers because mm-hmm. they're kind of a better bad choice animal cracker. Yeah, but they're... the problem is, I would go through the whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just don't buy those because I would lie to myself. Oh, I'm buying for these for the qu- twins, right? And then the twins don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them. <laughs> so here's, so I stop buying them. <laughs> when people ask, you know, for um, I think some of the challenges people have when I when I talk about nutrition is they say, "Well, I don't want to be the weirdo when we go out and order mm-hmm. something strange." Which, so for me, that doesn't make sense because when I was growing up, I had tons and tons of allergies. So I was always ordering something weird and strange and asking bizarre questions. Are there eggs in that? Is there nuts? You know, because I can't eat. Back then, I couldn't eat all that stuff. And um, so I, it doesn't make sense to me. But I know, like, there's certain restaurants I go to where I know what I can get. And since I'm on the road, that's really hard. So, like, there's one place that I can always find is at Chili's. And then what I'll do is I'll get the Caribbean salad with no dressing has uh has craisins on it it's fun and i get the the grilled chicken breast and get two of them right and and then i'll bring my own carb because i don't have any clean carbs there mm-hmm. even, even the rice is dirty so i will bring my oatmeal <laughs> bring my oatmeal ask for i'll ask for hot water to make tea so funny. <laughs> i take the tea i take the mug for the tea i put the oatmeal in it and take the hot water and pour that in my oatmeal and i'll eat my oatmeal my salad right there that is hardcore. Good for you. I don't play. That's I'm awesome. a professional. Absolutely. Good for you. Yeah, or I'll smuggle in my rice cakes or something like that. You know? Right, right, right. I've, yeah. done, I've done that. <laughs> but that's for the extremists. Right. <laughs> right? That's not what the typical – we don't want the typical person doing right. that because they're not going to do that, right? So it just right. depends on where your mindset is. Um, you can't go wrong with Chinese. Like honestly – Eat some steamed. Yeah. My yeah. go-to if um, we're on the road is eat a little mom and pop. Chinese place or PF Chang's actually they have the um oh gosh it's so good the orange chicken or the orange shrimp and so all I do is I just ask for the shrimp steamed and they'll do it for you mm-hmm. steamed rice and I ask for the sauce on the side and do it that way cuz you know that's got a lot of sugar in it you can taste yeah. it so I'll just up you know take my shrimp I'll put a little right. bit of taste in there and eat it with my rice so that's my go to that's how I do it I take my fork I just put like I'll get my like I'll get it on the fork and shake it off just so like it has a little bit on like it's glistening and look, then <laughs> look what, what has Keith done to us <laughs> I know, right? It's ridiculous. And I was, I was talking to this guy that used to travel with me, and uh, when I was on the road, his name was Matthew, and um, and he told me one day our record, we had a record of chilies one day. So we're, I think we're in three different states on that day in airports and grabbing meals ago. We ate six. We both ate six Caribbean chicken, grilled chicken salads in one day. We didn't have any choices. We didn't have any choices. No, that was it. So right. let's get another one. Let's get another one. Let's get another one. Get two to go. Just because we're going to be in a plane for a while. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, that's the thing. It can be done. It can. It, it can be done. And I think, it, and you do see that, and I've heard that complaint as well, because the other family members will get on them. Well, just enjoy yourself. Oh, you deserve it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And they'll kind of make them feel guilty. Or why are you doing that? 
And um, so it does make the person uncomfortable. Yeah. But what I typically will tell a client, a couple of things. First, if they love you, then they will understand what you're trying to do. And eventually they'll get off your back. Mm-hmm. So do what you know you need to do for you. Give yourself permission for self care for gosh sakes and especially women i find that they have such a hard time with this right they take care of themselves for a little bit but then they let the pressures of everything else override taking care of themselves and they don't understand yeah. that if they don't take care of themselves they can't take care of anything else yeah you just you really can't so if your family loves you eventually that'll stop just explain to them this is what i need to do for me so please let me take care of me Right. And then the other thing, I've lost friends. Believe it or not, when I was doing competing, did you ever lose a friend? I don't or have two? friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I lost friends back in the 80s and never saw any more. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but when I started competing, yeah, I lost friends because I would no longer go out and drink. Yeah. I wouldn't um, go out and eat. I would care. I, I was the person that would carry my meals, put it in my purse, mm-hmm. and go hang out with my friends. But I would eat out of that, and they would get on me. I'm like, well, what do you like about me? Do you like the fact that I drank with you, or do you like my company? Pick one. Right. Right? Turned out they like they had a drinking buddy. Yeah. And I was okay with losing those relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think it's well, what's interesting is when I look at um, educators in the teacher workroom and it's so it's such a fascinating dynamic when they're gathered around the donut box and a lady walks up and she goes, Oh, I can't have one of those. It's shocking how the other five go, Oh, come on, just and they're all eating mm-hmm. one. And it's like it's like a junior high yes. <laughs> drug dealer trying to be the crack pusher on campus. You know, it's like, oh come on, it's not gonna chip one's not gonna hurt you. And they're like pressure and she okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Twist my arm. Yep. And she goes in. It's it's like they watch these five pressure her. Like, what are you doing to her? Yeah, it's it, and a lot of that I think really just stems from a person's own internal um, unhappiness of being able to control themselves or feeling out of control themselves, right? Yeah. So misery loves company. I've found that with a lot of the clients. Yeah. Really, it comes down to that where people um, are upset because they themselves don't have the discipline mm-hmm. or drive that that other person has to do what they need to do to take care of their health. Yeah. Here's, here's what's interesting. Like when I can lock it in, and really get focused with my nutrition and training and I have a goal. And I mean, I, and, and I built up this deep desire to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. I, I thrive on those situations. Do like you? I love it. Like I love it more than the donut where I'm walking into the teacher workroom and I'm thinking to myself, I hope there's a ton of them in there and I hope they're all gathered around. And I hope like I, cause I want, I, what I really like is doing things that other people can't do. Like, I love the discipline. So how do you handle that situation? Like, I walk in, and I just look at them, look at the donut, man, that smells great. You got, how many, you know, what are you going to, have another one. Go ahead. Do you? Oh, yeah. you're awful. I thought he'd <laughs> so my husband owns a pizza restaurant. So we say, yeah, because he looks great, right? Yeah. We're like, yeah, pizzas. <laughs> right. Have some pizzas, boys Have and girls. Exactly. Right. I'm kidding. Yeah. So that. I love, I mean, I, I mean, who doesn't love a glazed, hot, fresh glazed donut? But what I love more is discipline. And I love the feeling of overcoming um, the, 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 the desire to eat the donut and not eating it. Yeah. I, I love it. I just like the way. I feel one. I, I don't feel good. Bottom line, I've been eating like this for so long. Like, actually, we went to Vegas with Kim and Keith. I think it was it was the last year of the year before, and we ordered our food and had it sent to the hotel. 
and they were both like, "What is wrong with you two? Did you like a like a fit meal but, type of plan, mm-hmm, like a service? Yeah, icon, yeah, icon meals, and had them delivered to the room. And they're like, "What is the wrong with you two? I'm like, "Yeah, you guys created monsters." But the thing is, we knew we wanted to eat well throughout the day, and that yeah. we were going to go out to dinner with them in the evening, and that we were going to mm-hmm. drink yep. wine. Right? right, and have a nice meal. I mean, because we even eat very well mm-hmm. um, at dinner, but then we were going to have some some wine and things like that. So. Um, I, but I, when I do eat something that's not like fast food, which I haven't got, I haven't had fast food in a long time. I'm trying to, I can't think of anything, but going out to eat, mm-hmm. and even though you can tell them, Hey, I don't want any butter. I don't want an oil. Right. You know, they're going to put something, something in there. Yeah. Right. You can't control that. You can just do the best that you can do. I feel very weighed down, mm-hmm. very sluggish, very bleh, And I can't wait to get back to eating the way I was eating. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so for me, I do the um, like if we're on vacation or something, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it clean on day, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to go out to eat, and I know it's going to be fine. We're going to great. I want to indulge, and but I also know I'm doing cardio in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I never stop working out when I go on vacation because yeah. we we'll, we go to Greece often, mm-hmm. right? And our whole family we're supposed to sleep. Right, the first year we went, my mother-in-law we're supposed to sleep from two o'clock until four because that's what you do. Yeah, and my husband and I were. We're sneaking, putting on our tennis shoes when we go to the gym. My mother come out, what are you doing? Right. Well, we're going to gym. Why? You're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> but mom, we need to go to the gym. No, you have to sleep. Right. <laughs> right? But now they leave us alone. We go, you know, we go in to the gym and yeah. get our workout in because we know that night we're going to go out and we're going to eat gyro, which is so bad for you, but so tasty, right? That's really good. Um, yeah, they're really good. And we know that. Mm-hmm. So we make sure that we keep up with our workout regimen while we're on vacation for sure. Yeah. And let me ask real quick is um, for um, those teachers, what, what if you were going to give them um, some homework, something they can do right now today, and just just something to make a difference and get going on the right path, something for the new school year, make a commitment. Here's what I can do this year. Something small, something little that they can um, make happen. Would you would you say it's the uh, it's it's the breakfast? I could say two things. Mm-hmm. Um, make make your breakfast right. Yeah. Have that prepared for yourself, and carry your lunch. Yeah. Right, so that you can avoid. I mean, I, I I taught. I know what's in those cafeteria lines. Yeah, and I know what. Um, in my school, they maybe made two salads. Those were gone, right? In um, period one, mm-hmm. so the two salads are out of there. So bring your pack of pack of lunch for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think they under. I think well, they probably overestimate how much time it. T- it doesn't take that much time. It really doesn't. And that's the other thing about our Lean Body Coaching Program, mm-hmm. just throwing this out there. <laughs> but Keith actually does have a power cooking video on there. The man cooks, I think, five, seven meals, something along those lines. I can't remember the yeah. number, in 47 minutes. Yeah. And it's for an entire week. If it's for one person, you could freeze that puppy. You've got two weeks worth of food there. Yeah. It's really not that difficult. Mm-mm. And at the first time you do it, it's a little bit time consuming because you're just kind of trying to get at your bearings. You're trying to figure it out. Right. But once you've got it down, it's like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Easy, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, hour, hour and a half tops. Yeah. It takes yeah. the same, what does he say? It takes the same amount of time to grill one chicken breast as it, it does, does 20. Exactly. So just get them all done. Yeah. But I just as a teacher, I remember um, packing my lunch was very, very important to me because I sat in the classroom a lot to grade papers and mm-hmm. that type of thing. So if I forgot my lunch, again, 
I would eat whatever was there. The fries, fries were huge, right? Because yeah. they were good. Great. <laughs> they were, they, the fries, they were great. Um, so I would just get a tray full of fries and one of their chicks, chicken sandwiches, the fried mm. chicken sandwiches, right? And then feel gross and sluggish the rest of the day. So what I found is if I had my lunch, sat in the room, kind of felt better felt my, about myself, one, and was satisfied to where I didn't go into the snack room and was there and grab. Yeah. I wasn't hungry. It's amazing. Here's what's cool is um, you have uh, what's cool is you have taken you've taken that um, desire to be a teacher and to make a difference in the lives of people and you shifted it from the platform of the classroom and what you just have your own classroom now online with the lean body coaching and in your gym with your personal training clients and you're still doing the training and what I love about it is just like in a classroom. You know, we always ask teachers in my workshops, like, what do you what do you want for your kids as a result of them spending their lives with you? Like, what's the real lesson? Like, you teach world geography, which is fun, but as but thirty years from now, the kid's going to forget all that information. Like, right, what's yeah. the remaining lesson, and who do you want that kid to be, and the quality of that kid's character as a result? And you're still doing the same thing because it's more than just the nutrition, more than just the training. It's who these people are becoming yes. as the result of their relationship with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's powerful, man. It's uh, it's wonderful. And my husband and I were talking about it last night. It's like you, uh, we were talking about Robin Williams and the Dead Poets of Society, mm-hmm. right? And the world is like a stage, right? It, it truly is. And you have a moment in your life to contribute a verse in the grand play of life. And I think everyone should ask themselves, what's my verse going to be? What mark am I going to leave behind? And Chuck and I and Keith and Kim were in such a unique position that our verse can be very powerful because we can reach out to so many people, not just to take over their health, but to take over their their mental health as well. So it's really wonderful. It's amazing. I love it. Amazing work. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, man. I loved we we've been chatting for over an hour and Oh gosh. I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's perfect. And um and here's here's one of my here's one to ask of you is um you and I are gonna um we're gonna figure something out amazing to do for all these teachers. And yeah. you and I and we're we're gonna between Keith and Lee Labrada and Chuck and you and I have um you know, we have over what forty three thousand teachers that follow and um, we are gonna um figure out a way for them to take advantage of of all that you guys have figured out and have learned and Keith's thousands of transformations and four decades of teaching people and what you know because you you're you're the expert in the teacher because you've been there i've been there you know the challenges you felt the stress you've broken up the fights you you've graded the papers you've stayed up late you had a two-year-old you haven't twins you're still teaching you know what the challenges are like you've had the other teachers here have the donut you've been you've, you've experienced all of it so like you're the perfect person to um to to help these teachers out that have requested um something to find a solution for their health and nutrition and and for those that want to lose weight and get in shape and yeah so. good teachers need so much more i mean it they deserve so much more than what they get they really do it really breaks my heart because now i feel like um i have a lot of friends who are still in the classrooms yeah and the struggles that they have with the parents, with the administration, with spending so much of their time more disciplining than teaching and doing what they love. And we're losing teachers because of, because of that. I don't think there's a big enough support system for them. So for all of you who are still doing it, 
God bless you. I mean, seriously. And thank you for all you do. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You're amazing. It was fun. Awesome. Hey, are we going to hang out uh, on Saturday at the Lila Brother Classic? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I'll be there bright and early at 8.30 because um, my client, um, Ashley Hesgard, she's in there. First wow. natural, I mean, first NPC show. And um, so I'm really excited to see how she does. Yeah. And I'll just be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. You can't miss me. I'll be wearing a bright yellow Labrada staff shirt. Right. So. Good. <laughs> Make sure we can find you. Yeah, you yeah I just go to see the, uh, I watch the Masters 45 and over men's physique just to make sure, because I like to watch and make sure that if I if I wanted to, I could have won. Okay, so, <laughs> so you're going to prejudging then? Yeah. That's, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You don't stay for the show? No, night? I can't do it. Why? I don't know. It's boring. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the prejudging. Yeah, prejudging is fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll definitely be there. I'll see you in right. the morning. All right, thanks. Thank you. Bye.